0: Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. Kalise Smith is away. Later in the show, I'll introduce you to three of the 15 teenagers who spent the last six weeks here in our building at NEPM learning how to be radio producers, podcasters, photographers, and journalists. We'll hear about NEPM's Media Lab program. And did you know that there was a community of conjurers here in Western Mass? We'll learn about the Valley Conjurers and the magic that they're bringing to Ludlow this weekend. It's got an over-100-year-old storied history that I'm excited to hear about. But first, I'm joined by Ange Buxton and Mo Schweiger, who are the producers of the Far Out Comedy Festival, where from August 24th to 26th, over 40 stand-up comics split between Ten Forward and Greenfield and the Majestic Saloon in Northampton will entertain us all. What's interesting about this particular comedy festival is that not a single one of them is of the performers at least, is a straight cisgender white man. Like me. True, Ange sh- and Mo. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. The far-out comedy festival will showcase and celebrate stand-up and drag performances from voices traditionally underrepresented in the comedy world, namely queer people, people of marginalized genders. And BIPOC performers. Thank you both for joining me here in the fabulous 413 today. First yeah. off, maybe I'll start with you, Ange. Tell us about 10 Forward as a space with a mission in Greenfield, right there on is Fisk Avenue, is that what it's called? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, right kind of underneath. Mesa Verde. Yeah, it's it's
1: quite literally an underground venue. And yeah, definitely appreciate you having us so much. I think what's happening with the festival is really cool and unique. And I'm really excited to, to see these things coming together. Temp Forward as a space, you know, we call ourselves an arts venue um, and we're absolutely community run. So what's happening there is because the community wants to see it happen. And a lot of times, the majority of our patrons are going to be queer, they're going to be folks that might not feel as comfortable in other venues. And then our performers, I mean, we get stuff from all over. I think we have more noise bands than I know what to do with there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super cool to see uh, it being used as a comedy venue. It's not you know, something we do all the time, but this, is, this festival is, the, is right in line with our mission.
0: And 10 Forward is an homage to Star Trek, which makes the venue even cooler, in my opinion. That's right. (laughs) And uh, the Majestic Saloon in Northampton, where the other sort of half of this Far Out Comedy Festival will happen, also has a similar mission, and you are uh, aligned with that mission too, Ant, right?
1: That's right, yeah. So getting my involvement with the Majestic Saloon is how I built myself up, my confidence as a show producer. And so when the management switched over after uh, covid um, I started a queer queer-centric stand-up comedy open mic and because you're I'm holding a space I used to be a public school teacher here in Springfield and so I'm really used to cultivating um, culture that's like inclusive for everyone and and it's it's a proactive thing that you're doing so you're you're constantly it's everything speaks right so and everything is on purpose any message that's being sent as the host um, sends a message to both the audience and the performers and there are a lot of mics in the area that aren't as intentional and so because of that intentionality we've been able to cultivate young queer comedians like Mo um, and lots of other performers like Mo who have come out of that mic specifically So now we have a a really good, strong, queer um, comedy scene building here. And that's because of what we're able to do at the Majestic every single Monday. Um, and then from there, building out these showcases with Ten Ford, which is a, a much better venue for a seated event. Um, we do have comedy showcases that come out of the Majestic, but it, you know, it's it's got that runway feel, so it's perfect for drag. Um, but, yeah, the Majestic Saloon is an explicitly queer space, and there's a difference, right? Queer friendly is one thing. We don't have a ton of explicitly queer spaces. Ten Ford and the Majestic both are.
0: Well, it's interesting, too, because even in my 20 years living here in western Massachusetts, there was a time where there were explicitly queer spaces. Divas jumps to mind. We were talking yep. about that off the air <laughs> yep. when you pull off that newish rotary in Northampton. That was the, kind of the most legendary, perhaps, queer space uh, in the area, it, it no longer exists, and I think there have been huge leaps forward for the queer community in regards to access. And so there has been talk by even queer people saying, "Well, you know, every bar is a queer bar in in the valley." Is that true in your estimation, as younger queer folk? And where does the the need for explicitly queer spaces still exist? Mo Schweiger, who one of the co-producers of this uh, all queer and BIPOC comedy festival that's happening August 24th through 26th, the Far Out Comedy Festival.
2: Yeah, it's tough because, I mean, I'm sure lots of people know that there's a pretty sizable queer population in the valley, but, and so a lot of the time you walk into a room, it feels like a queer room, but that doesn't make it a queer space. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it a place where, you know, you know that the venue is going to be welcoming of you, be catering to your needs also. And so Ten Forward and the Majestic are constantly booking things that appeal to the queer community. And everyone who works there is going above and beyond to make people feel safe and heard and welcomed. Um, And I think that is really needed because, you know, we are there's a lot of us out here, but we're still not, um, you know, not the societal societal norm there's still people out there who are not down with what we're doing um and it feels really special to be in a place that that is trying to center the community especially in a time when that's like pretty you know looked down upon sometimes
0: yeah you both are queer comedians Mm -hmm. tell me about some of the comedians that inspired you
1: Sure. Uh,
0: Ange Buxton.
1: So here's the thing is a lot of the platforming of major comedy names growing up were queer, right? We had Ellen and that was it. <laughs> and I think it's super cool with the way social media works now where you can get onto TikTok and you can have somebody telling a they them joke. And when like that wasn't even like a, a approachable topic to get onto comedy central, you know, even, even still, you know, it's kind of rare to hear those voices getting the representation that they really do have in these underground comedy scenes. Um, so I grew up like studying a lot of. I mean, John Mulaney was huge for me, and um, Mitch Hedberg as well.
0: You, I have yeah. to tell you, your voice sounds so much like Mitch Hedberg. Hey, listen, he <laughs> was a don't... great, great, sadly deceased comedian. Right. Uh, I, I uh, frequently. I end my evening looking through like Instagram reels of Mitch Hedberg and his yeah. incredible jokes.
1: About. Well, dogs are forever in the push-up position. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of Mitch Hedberg joke. Yeah, so that's, but... that's a Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the, so what I'm hoping to do with this, and I think what needs to just continue to happen is that there's more intentionality with the way festivals are booked and showcases are booked. I mean, if you look in the area in Western Mass, you'll still see flyers on a regular of all male lineups, and it's like is 2023 is this really happening? Yes it is. I mean it's very much still funny. happening. <laughs> <It's>,
2: no no <laughs> it, it's happening and they're not as funny as us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about
0: you Mo Schweiger, who's one of the uh, producers of the Far Out Comedy Festival? Who are some of the comedians that have or in, or continue to inspire you?
2: Yeah, I grew up really listening to a lot of long form comedy by Tig Notaro. I yes. know that's like you know, everybody loves Tig, but I love her storytelling. I, like, wish that I could emulate it. I try in my comedy to, like, you know, she tells these winding stories, and you don't know how they're going to end. And she, at the last minute, she pulls back in something from the first minute of the story, and it cracks you up. Like, I think yeah. she is incredible at what she does. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. She, she's a big one for sure. Yeah,
0: she's. Fa- I've gotten to see her live, and that was fantastic. Yeah. A couple times, actually. And Yeah. Uh, the thing that, you know, when the comedy or e- still much comedy, a lot of comedy uses queer people as the punchline. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you are queer comics, are you playing with those notions historically of how that has been a way that queer people have been treated as a punchline? Or is there something that sets queer comedy apart in a different way? Fellas,
1: fellas yeah. I do a lot of talking to the fellas about what it's like to be on T and uh How to get your period like a man, Um, and you know I think (laughs) taking those tropes and flipping them on its head, just speaking from your own experience. One that's one of the things I push a lot of our young cis male comedians as well to talk. I said, speak from your experience. Why are you talking about experiences you haven't had, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you're sharing on an experience you've never lived. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, And so I've seen younger young men like really step their game up when they start to really step back and go like, oh, I realized I was writing from a persona that i don't even embody and i'm actually just a softy so let me write my jokes that way and then they get way more laughs and so like the representation is not just to benefit queer people i think it benefits everybody you know you have a safe space to try out stuff that might not feel like it's in line with what a masculine archetype is and at the end of the day everyone is built up by that we have a ton of talent in this valley
0: How many of the 45 comedians that are part of this Far Out Comedy Festival happening August 24th through 26th at 10 Forward in Greenfield and at the Majestic Saloon in Northampton are from here? Or or is this uh, a bunch of folks that have come from all over the country because they're attracted to the notion of uh, a very queer focused comedy festival? Mo Schweiger?
2: We got a little bit of both. We have um, some people coming from all the way as far as Portland, Oregon. We have a bunch of people coming up from uh, Brooklyn, a lot of really fresh queer talent. Um, But we also have people who have come up in the scene who, like Ange was saying, how I started, uh, coming to the Majestic mic and really cultivating a set and feeling comfortable in that queer space and who have really flourished in this space. Um, we also have a couple, like, five college grads coming back to the Valley for this, which is really special.
1: And we're hoping this inspires more folks to jump out to these mics and, and and try it out. You know, I hear people all the time, like I think Mo's first mic, they're like, I, I went over to a different mic that shall not be named, and I heard a lot of transphobic material, and I almost never did comedy again. And I'm like, you got to come to the mic where there's somebody that's really going to hold that line. And I think from there, that's how you solidify the next generation of, of youth. And not to flex, we're up to 52 comics. Oh, wow. So, yeah. wow. wow.
0: So last check, it was only 45. <laughs> So that's great. Yeah. I mean, and it it it's incredible. I think if people hear that there is a, a queer focused comedy festival with fifty two uh, non straight cisgender white man comics, sure, they would think that's a large number. Is it, or is no. that just an impression that because? those folks don't get as much spotlight as the other comedians do for one reason. There's not
1: a single person on this festival that I don't know uh, personally and they're all extremely talented. It's just a matter of like, you know, we talk a lot about like wanting to highlight diverse um, perspectives but it's like, okay, then do it then, right? And then it's kind of just one of those things where I was like I'm just gonna do it and Mo has been amazing to work with, you know, they work on marketing for 10 Forward and just jumped right on board and has been keeping these balls rolling to where now we, we have have a fully legitimate. I mean, we have shirts, we got passes, we got. I mean, it's absolutely nuts that we've been able to legitimize this in the time that we have, and it's gonna be sick. Uh, But yeah, there's so much queer talent. Just all you gotta do is lift the rug real quick, and you'll see it. Like it's it's there.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, for every for every comedian coming to our show, there's at least five other queer comics within you know, a hundred miles who are just as funny, just as talented, just as amazing. We just Either don't know them yet or, you know, Need they're too platform. busy that
0: weekend. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, if somebody hears the description of this festival as, you know, now 52 comedians, not a single one of them is straight, cisgender or white, some people may hear that and feel like, well, oh, that's me and I'm not welcome. Sure. It, is that the case? I think so. It's and
1: white, right? So I think what I'm trying to establish is uh, just like, a future world where it's we're all more integrated but i think to do that we need the cis white male bookers To know that this talent does exist mm. I'm really sick of the excuse of like Oh I asked the one woman comic I knew And she wasn't available So that's why there's no woman, woman on my bill I've had that exact conversation several times Because I will hold these men accountable And say like Why do you have a bill of all men right now? Like what? Like I'll give you seven women right now to, That could do this and Like oh well you know this and that And so what I'm trying to do is take away that excuse and say like look at all these talented funny people what, what is your excuse for not booking them
0: it's you know? amazing to be able to say I couldn't find one and you say well we've got 52 exactly yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: and yeah. speaking to the feeling that some people might have about not being welcome there like even if the people at the show aren't speaking to your experience of your identity if you're a straight white man They're talking about shared humanity and the things that they go through every day that are funny and absurd and ridiculous and stupid. And, like, there will be something you can resonate with regardless of your identity because these comics are tapping into what it means to
1: be human. Yeah. I mean, John Mulaney and Mitch Hedward were the examples I gave. You know why? Because that's what I had. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like...
0: You know, so, and and yeah. yet, they're very funny. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I have a feeling that me, as a straight cisgender white man, if I went to this far-out comedy festival, I'm going to find a lot of what gets said really funny because it is comedy at the at the end of the day. Mm-hmm.
1: 100%. Yeah, I mean, Ange Buxton is just such... I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ange Buxton right. is the greatest comic <laughs> working in our area and
0: beyond today. Yeah. Ange, originally from Springfield. Yep. And Mo, where are you originally from?
2: I'm originally from Los Angeles. Uh-huh.
0: But you are a smithy.
2: I am a Smithy. I came out and I stayed here,
0: but moved a couple miles up north to Greenfield. Nice. And it's uh, Franklin County's wonderful place to live. That's where Ten Forward is, which is where half of this far out comedy festival will be. Also at the Majestic Saloon in Northampton. It's 52 comics. That's right. Between August 24th and 26th, you can find out all the details on tickets and passes for the festival at their Eventbrite link. Ange Buxton and Mo Schweiger, who are the producers of this Far Out Comedy Festival. I hope this isn't the only one, the last one. I hope this is one, the first ever of a future annual Far Out Festival tradition. That's
1: what okay. we're hoping for. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. Coming up, magic comes to Ludlow in the form of the Valley Conjurers. and We'll talk to two of those Conjurers. But first, we'll hear about how young people are taking over the media through the NEPM Media Lab. You're listening to The Fabulous 413- On any PM.
3: The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast solar.com.
4: Am I the only one who can hear out of my right ear? Is it just me?
0: Yeah, maybe it could be the headphones have one ear out, so unfortunately, you you can try to like jiggle it a little bit sometimes that
4: little wiggle wiggle Yeah,
0: (laughs) and make sure to talk right into that thing. I like to tell people Talk right in it, like this? There's a little red diamond on all of them. Aim for like the microphone under the diamond and about a fist distance away like that. Perfect. Is that good? Uh, Yeah, that's good. Is this good? perfect is this good yeah maybe lift the mic up a tiny bit Oh, is that good? nice Better? yes I can only hear out my right ear
4: it's okay
0: it feels so weird do you sound weird to yourselves in your headphones <laughs> no not really <laughs>
5: like it, no you I, don't it's like my it's voice like is like delayed I feel like my voice is like delayed like yeah. I can
0: hear it
4: and then when you actually hear your voice you're like oh, well let me stop <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: why that's why I don't like recording videos
4: exactly yeah. I, no, I know
0: I'm I also like not either. a fan of that
6: Thank you for listening to New England Public Media. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Laquan.
4: I'm Elijah.
0: I'm EJ. I'm Gabriel.
5: I'm Jomar Rodriguez. I'm Kiara.
0: I'm Jamar. I am Christopher. I'm Nakaya. I'm Senity. I'm Alex.
5: I'm Naysha. I'm Jose Romero.
4: I'm Isabel, a Media Lab 2023 youth media producer.
0: Earlier this afternoon, I was lucky enough to go downstairs here at our building at NEPM in Springfield in the lobby, where there were... I think 15 students from NEPM's Media Lab, which is a six week long program for teens to learn the ins and outs of how to produce media. I got to see a presentation from these teens, as well as some teens who are older teens who come back to be mentors for the (laughs) teens. And even one of the people that runs the program, Ismari Santiago, has gone through the program and then has come back as sort of one of the directors and joining me. In the studio here for the Fabulous Four One Three are Jose Romero Romero from Connecticut, who's 15 years old; Isabel De La Rosa from Springfield, who's 15; and Maggie Kasmerski, who's 18 from Springfield and has gone through the program and now come back as a mentor. Maggie, let's talk about you first. Tell us when did you go through the program?
7: Um, the past two summers, I've gone through the program like consecutively as a student and getting this job I actually didn't know I was going to be a mentor I emailed in and I was like so I've already done this program and I wasn't sure if you were supposed to be coming back every year (laughs) so I was like um do you know if I could maybe do something more advanced or just do like independent projects because I know that everybody's coming in at an entry level and I've already done it so I'd like to like be more challenged yeah and they're like Oh my gosh, you want to be a mentor? And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want. So I did the interview and I got to be a mentor, which I'm like, I just am so glad it worked out that way. So,
0: so what I got to see from what a lot of the students have done is interviews with authors. Uh, they went on a field trip to the Springfield Republican and Mass Live and put together a news story about the field trip and have written stories that Mass Live is, part- is uh, collaborating with. Uh, the genesis of podcasts that are potentially going to come into reality—it's learning how to do audio and video and digital editing and writing and interviewing. It's all these things. Jose, who's 15 from Connecticut, tell me what your you were focusing on over these last six weeks.
5: Um, I don't know. Like getting better at typing because like <laughs> we had we had to do like a lot of writing. Well, I had to do more writing than I I would have liked, and. It takes so long to, for yeah. me to just write simple things, and it's just like, it's due at the end of the day, and it's taking me like five minutes to write a paragraph, and it's it's not
0: working out. <laughs> but, but what was the project you were working on? Deadlines, I totally get. Um, That's going to go across the board almost no matter what you do after school, even when I was... Sitting watching all your wonderful presentations, I'm like, oh my God, my, sh- my show starts in a couple hours. I gotta get out of here by deadline. But well, did you have a main project that you're working on, Jose? Oh, yeah. We, I was doing the um, podcast.
5: Uh huh. And I didn't wanna do something like I knew everybody else would do or something like I wanted to do something that was gonna help or it was gonna bring in a lot of attention. So I was just gonna go back to school because ain't nobody like that. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure no student wants to go back to school. <laughs> And especially, like, back-to-school shopping. Like, how could we be with my mom? And then, like, we'd be there all day and get, like, three pieces of clothing. Oh, my God. none
0: of it's for school. I remember that very well. So what what do you, what other kind of things do you want to focus on? Have you done a full-fledged podcast? We saw the podcast trailer when no. we were at the Media Lab thing. Not yet? No, not yet. Do you um, think it'll, it'll be something that you actually now have the know-how to go and do through the NEPM Media Lab process? Like, do you feel yeah. like you can get the microphones ready and get the audio equipment ready and get the recording done? And... Yeah, it's just, like... I just have to be ready to like hear my voice. I just don't like that. I don't like my voice. <laughs> well, too bad. I put you in your own headphones here in the studio. So now yeah. you're having to hear it pumped into your own ears right now. That was Jose Romero, who's from Connecticut, 15 years old, and went through the six week long NEPM Media Lab program here in Springfield. Isabella dolorosa who's uh, 16, 15 from Springfield. Um, tell us what you have been working on for these last six weeks.
4: Um, for mainly me, I was really into the whole photography I really liked that, but when it came to like the whole audio and stuff, I found more of enjoyment there because I learned how to like work with the audio. I found out how to like cut scripts here and there and how to import things. And it was really, it was really cool for me to learn to do that.
0: Nice. So you thought you would be more into the photography, but actually yeah. went, went more into the audio realm. Exactly. Welcome. That's where I, that's where I like to live. What was the project that you worked on?
4: I was working on, actually, the project I was displaying today during the presentation. It was um, my article, and I had to record and read the article for people, and it was it was really long because I kept messing up here and there, and I also got, like, very frustrated during it. Like, I had a whole bunch of messed up parts, but when it came to editing and stuff like that, it was it was nice to learn how to work with it, and I was struggling, and I needed a lot of help. But once I got into it, I was like, wait, this is going to be really useful. This is how people like make their videos or also music and stuff like that. So I felt like I was a part of that.
0: Yeah, that's a very valuable tool to learn, too, that it, it rarely comes out perfect on that first go. And learning how to get in there, into the weeds, whether it's from writing and typing or with audio to do another take and to to get it to the point where you want it is important. What was your What was your article about?
4: My article was about the Firehouse Hot Dogs food truck. I, was, I wasn't rating it, but I was talking about the history with the name and the food truck itself, and I was understanding the background story of the whole truck.
0: The food truck came yeah. as part of the Media Lab mm-hmm. six-week-long program here, yeah. which is one of the best days
7: <laughs> of,
0: of the whole summer here, because all of a sudden, Vanessa Pabon, who runs the Media Lab program, came up to the news floor where our desks are and said, if you want there's a food truck outside. And, yeah. Uh, that was great. And Maggie Kazmirski, who's 18, has gone through the program twice and now is a mentor. Tell me what you remember learning when you were going through the program that was helpful mentoring some of the people that you're working with this summer.
7: Well, my first two summers I learned about, I basically learned similar to what they've learned with general audio production and video production. Um, And I learned different softwares, like I learned how to use Audacity, which came in very handy when I had to teach them how to use Audacity and help them edit their stuff.
0: And that's like, uh, I think, a most places free um, online audio program. Yes.
7: I also actually used this in my school um, for the dance team. I used to make the dance mixes on Audacity. I was like, wait, I know how to edit music. I know Uh, how to edit audio. So that was cool. Um, And then also Canva, because that's where I'm interested in advertising and marketing, so I, on my free time, love to use Canva after using it in the program. And so I think I was able to help students learn how to use, like, different tricks and stuff. Um, Aside from just templates that they offer, I figured out how to use it in other ways and show people, so... Those are some of the programs that I helped with.
0: We're speaking with three of the folks from NEPM's Media Lab, which has been doing media training for teenagers for the last six weeks through the summer. And there was just a presentation in our lobby today that was fantastic. I looked at all the videos and all the way the intros and outros were edited and imagined myself at your age in the 90s when uh, you would have had to do it with you know, a giant VHS recorder and try to figure out how to either splice the tape together or get clever editing. But with all these digital tools, you can make these things that look professional, even though you're, you know, you're just learning these programs uh, in high school, which is incredible. Uh, Maggie, did you say you were going to be going off to school taking some of the stuff that you've learned uh, from the Media Lab program? Tell us a little bit about that.
7: Um, so, I'm going to be, in actually, like, three days, I'm moving to New York City for um, advertising and marketing at the Fashion Institute of Technology. Wow. Um, so, I'm very excited to be moving there. Um, and my focus is on, like, digital marketing. And um, so, basically, just, like, I would love to do something social media related, which obviously is video um, and photography. Um, based, I guess. Um, So definitely all the skills that I've learned, I'm going to be using to make me stand out from everybody who's already there, who's maybe coming in with no experience. Um, So I just think that with all the knowledge that I have now, I will have a more understanding of how to make better quality content, because I know how to use like the audio editing. I know how real life journalists would produce content and how they would... um, just record better, interview better. So I think I have like a little step up than my peers. So uh, hopefully it will help me when I get there. Is so that something excited. that
0: you, you've you always known you wanted to do, or is it something that, because, that you learned that you might want to do because of Media Lab?
7: Well, I've always liked consuming media.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fun. <laughs>
7: yes, it is very fun. So um, I actually, when I was younger, I wanted to be a fashion designer, and I know I wanted to go to New York City. And then I started seeing all these like content creators on their own and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then I joined the program and I was like, whoa, there's a lot more things you can do. Um, and I actually started getting intru- interested into journalism, so I actually don't know exactly
0: what I wanna do. Nor do you need to, <laughs> you're only 18 years old. I'm 45 and I don't know what I wanna do.
7: <laughs> so there's a lot of things that I could potentially do, but Definitely being at this program showed me all the different things you can do with the same skill set and how you can adapt to like technology and you can really pivot your career because you have all these skills that are not just used for one job, basically. So I know that I'll be safe in the future.
0: <laughs> That's Maggie Kuzmarski, who's 18 from Springfield, going to the Fashion Institute of Technology, who's gone through two summers on her own at NEPM's Media Lab and then this year was a mentor. What about you, Isabel? Do you feel like this is something, do you have any ideas what you're going to do with these tools that you've acquired over the next six weeks? Do you have any plans going into uh, whatever school you're going to be going back to?
4: Um, When it comes to the interviewing, it's like a conversation with someone, you learn how to talk to someone. I wanted to do something, and I still do, in the social work, and I feel like that's really helpful. So I learned how to actually be socialized, and that's a main part when it comes to social work in any kind of industry at all. So I feel like when it comes to like that main piece, that's like, it was very important to me to get used to talking to people and not being like shy or whatever. So I feel like that was very important for me. And especially in the future.
0: Did you feel shy talking to people coming into the program? Oh, for for
4: sure. For, like, the first time, I was very nervous. And it's gotten better over years. And it's definitely way better now.
0: That's great. Yeah. Uh, I was shy talking to people when I was very young, too. And now I kind of do this all the time where I talk (laughs) to people. Did you learn anything in particular that you think you'll carry with you when it comes to interviewing? Like, a specific trick or a skill when you're having a conversation with people?
4: Um maybe maintaining the feeling that it's in the room you can kind of like feel how the mood is and make sure you don't like try to mess with it like make sure you feel how the other person's feeling and see if they're okay if they're not okay if you're ready or not ready like you i make sure to i understand now how to understand what's the mood is what's in the room.
0: Reading the room is extremely yeah. <laughs> important when having regular conversations with human beings mm-hmm. and also when you're going to do something with interview skills. That's clutch. Yeah. So I'm glad that you picked that up. <laughs> That's Isabel De La Rosa, who's 15, from Springfield, and just went through NEPM's six-week-long media lab program on the floor below us here. It was fun walking every day into the building and seeing what you all were working on or going through the kitchen and seeing you all in there. <laughs> what about you, Jose Romero, who's from Connecticut, 15, Anything you think you'll be carrying with you? You did a, a trailer for a podcast about going back to school. Are you going to bring any of the things that you learned uh, through Media Lab in your um, back to school studies? I think I might just. I don't. I don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm gonna be able to
5: like talk to people more because I have a journalism class in my school. Uh-huh. They they do it for two years, so I feel like I would have like a, the upper hand even off like the sophomores and juniors that take that class. Like, I'd be more prepared and I'd be easier to it'll be more easier to like to approach people on the street for then they've said projects or anything i just feel like when it comes to like getting a job or something i'll be more confident in myself and i won't be as scared to
0: to say something i love it if that's the, if you never work in media again or never work in journalism again what an important tool that is as a human being to kind of be able to channel your own voice and to, and to put it out there i think it's great Jose Romero, who's 15 from Connecticut, Isabel De La Rosa, 15 from Springfield, and Maggie Kuzmerski, 18 from Springfield, who've all been part of the six week long Media Lab program here in Springfield that's put on by NEPM and funded by the Mass Cultural Council and a bunch of other great organizations to teach kids coming up how to be the next superstars of the media that we all love to consume and how to do it well and responsibly. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank
7: you. (laughs) This is this
4: is this is this is this is Media Media Lab.
0: Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. Media Lab. This is Media Lab. Those kids were very impressive, as impressive as magic. We will see. Coming up, magic comes to Ludlow in the form of the Valley Conjurers, and two of those conjurers will be joining us next. You're listening to the Fabulous 413. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. Prepare to be spellbound as three world-class magicians join local magicians for an unforgettable evening of enchantment at the Polish American Citizens Club in Ludlow this Saturday, August 19th. Magic in the Valley will showcase the remarkable talents of internationally renowned magicians Chris Capehart, Jimmy C., Bill Wish, local conjurers Rich Gilbert, Bob Hale, and Deanna Congo, who joins us in the studio, the extraordinary event promises to captivate audiences of all ages with their mind boggling illusions, comedic performances, and awe inspiring tricks. Joining me, as I mentioned, is Deanna, DC Magic Girl Congo. We'll have to hear about what that name is all about. And Mark Bale from the Valley Conjurers, who is the, the secretary of the Valley Conjurers and does not identify as a magician. Fair to say. Because <laughs> you did say uh, off the air that Deanna is a magician. But you are a, an enthusiast, a hobbyist.
6: I'd say a hobbyist. Yeah. I, I teach high school. Um, any, <laughs> t- any song about on I will perform for my students. Uh huh. Um, they are a tough crowd.
0: I was about to say that I think probably any high school teacher is a magician in their own right. So <laughs> thanks. But <laughs> differentiate those words. What, what do you mean by when you say Deanna, who's here, is a magician, but that you, Mark, are a a hobbyist?
6: I came to magic very late. Um, in life. I had done a lot of different things. Uh, Graduate school, I was a selectman for nine years in the town of Granby. And magic had been an interest of mine for um, a long time. So I'm an organization guy. So I just, I looked for an organization and then I found um, Valley Conjurers, which in the muggle world, it's Valley Conjurers, but um, in the magician world, we're Assembly 17 of the Society of American Magicians.
0: Yeah, talk about that because this, I didn't even know there was a Society of American ma- ma- Magicians, but the Valley Conjurers that are associated with it goes back 100 years to when Harry Houdini was the head of the, the, yeah. the uh, American
6: Magicians. So um, this kind of comes very American tradition of uh, clubs. Not so much today, but like in the begin- beginning, being in the 19. 19- 19th century, and so the Society of American Magicians started meeting in uh, Martinka's, I think, magic shop in early 20th century, and it progressed. Eventually, Houdini became president of the Society of American Magicians. The, our local, we call them assemblies, uh, our local formed around 1930, um, and our the guy that we, um, kind of our namesake, I.R. Hawkins, was an Olympic marksman a surgeon, and a amateur magician. Hopefully he didn't combine the three. <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoops, I accidentally shot you. It's time to do surgery. That didn't work. <laughs> bring out the magic!
6: But he did bring magic to Springfield. It was, he was huge. He had a... Um, they had the Society of American Magicians had the um, their convention here. were about 400 people. Um, and he had a theater outside of his house. It was a converted barn on Central Street in Springfield. And... They would have monthly seventy-five to hundred people come to their shows, and the shows were kind of either vaudeville or variety show type thing. There was music um, in the 40s. They would also show films because they didn't really show you know actual films outside of the theater at that time. Um, so he was he really kind of like. In 1936, he became the president of the Society of American Magicians, which shows you how prominent he was. But he really built up this huge magic community uh, in Springfield. And we still exist, and we're continuing to build it. Our um, local assembly has grown – doesn't sound like a lot now, but by probably about five members in the last year or so. How many members are part of it? it uh, You're the secretary. Yeah. This is a, You need to know. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to look it up. <laughs> I would say on a on a good meeting we usually have about twenty people. Sometimes we might get twenty five um, people. Magicians of, I mean, they're enthusiasts, they're hobbyists. Then we have semi professionals, and we have real professionals who you know spend that's their day job, and they spend most of the year performing.
0: And so, uh, Mark Bale, who you're from Granby, I'm yes. assuming because you're you're yes, a counselor correct. there, yep. and you uh, were also you are also a teacher in East Long Meadow yes. So it seems very logical why you would go to magic as a distraction from those extraordinarily stressful things that you do elsewise in your life. Uh, but Deanna, DC Magic Girl Congo, where are you from?
3: Uh, Monty, I'm from West Springfield.
0: Nice. Okay. So what, first of all, what does DC Magic Girl mean?
3: It's not as exciting as it sounds, but... I am Deanna Congo, so oh. DC is
0: my initials. Got it. I was um, like, it's, uh, you know, Detective <laughs> Comics Magic Girl. Or,
3: well, that's the or other thing. is I huge it, in
0: Washington, DC. <laughs> I figured it
3: would help to maybe bring some traffic to my YouTube channel because if people were looking for the magician from the DC comics, maybe DC Magic Girl might be searched.
0: Uh, very smart of you. So what, got, what are you doing? Are you on the spectrum? Of, he says that he's a, a hobbyist and you're a magician. Are you on that professional full-time magician end of the spectrum?
3: No, I fall somewhere in the middle. Uh-huh. I do insurance for my regular job. Which because... is like magic
0: because you pay money to it and then you use it and then you pay more money to it.
3: Something like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So is it, a, is it a, a way to distract you from your day in and day out? This, uh, or, I mean, I or... do this
3: professionally. Yeah. I do when gigs come up. You know, if somebody has an event, I mainly entertain adults at this point in time. I started out entertaining kids and I've been doing this for 20 years. So I'm not like some amateur with two tricks in a drawer.
0: That's awful. you <laughs> That's know? great.
3: I could entertain any type of crowd or audience if I know what I'm walking into.
0: And you said you've been doing it for 20. You got into it a little bit later, you said, Mark, right?
6: Yeah, I was like 55. So uh, it's
0: a little... <laughs> <laughs> and and She's you... not 55. No, you probably are not <laughs> I 55 not now and got died. into it 20 years ago. So what got you into magic?
3: So I went to school professionally for film and television in New York. And when I was living in New York City, I ended up running into a clown who was living in the same building that they housed us in as
0: the students. Was he dressed um, like a clown at the time? She
3: was, yes.
0: I should assumed it was a he-clown. <laughs> no. I should not have done that.
3: <laughs> she was this short little four-foot-tall lady <laughs> with rabbits, and she would let them out into the hallway. Oh. So my friends and I followed her rabbit down the hallway trying to pet it, not knowing where it came from, and it, it hopped into her room, and we met her.
0: Uh. Did it come out of a hat? Is that where it had come from? No,
3: she felt like they were cooped up in her room, so she would just open the door and let them come and go. <laughs> like,
0: and So did this clown teach you magic?
3: She taught a few of us a few tricks. She found out we were actors, and so she decided she could capitalize on that fact by sending some of us to parties when she was double booked. Uh. So she conned... A, a handful of us were conned into, hey, you want to learn a few tricks? Make 50 bucks for an hour of work. I'll let you borrow an outfit, twist a few balloons. <laughs> So I was one of those who was conned. I'm like, shoot, I'm 19, 50 bucks. Yeah, I want 50 bucks to go twist <laughs> some balloons and do some tricks.
0: That's amazing, though. So I, I don't know how to twist one balloon and I barely <laughs> know how to do like two card tricks and that's it. So how, how do you take that next step from, I guess, by happenstance running <laughs> into a clown in <laughs> your apartment building, who teaches you a few tricks to taking it to the next level where you're professional now and you do get paid to do to do these gigs, m- magic gigs.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, magic, for those who I guess they call it get bitten by the magic bug. I don't really like that terminology, but that's what they say. If you like magic, you start looking for ways to spend your time around it and learn from others. And you buy it and you sit in magic shops and you want to touch everything on the wall and know what it does. And you start watching videos. So I started hanging out in the local magic shops, making friends there. And I also ended up getting hired by Silly Billy and working parties and events on the weekends.
0: What are the local magic shops? There is one in Ludlow, right? Which is where this event is going to be happening uh, this Saturday, Magic in the Valley. Yes. That
3: apparently is the last brick and mortar in New England. So wow. anybody who is listening to this should definitely go and support it if you'd like that to still exist in the future. When
0: I was a kid, i go to Jack's Joke Shop in Boston all the time. And that place was amazing. And th- places like that don't exist anymore. So the fact yeah. that there is one in Ludlow, it's what's so it called? close. RP Magic. RP Magic. So what do you go there? What happens? Do you have to, like, know the secret knock to get in or is it, you know? (laughs) No.
3: No, Rich is really friendly. He'll show you tricks. He'll explain. Without giving it away, he'll explain what stuff does to try to help you find something that might fit your personality. And we have our meetings there. So
0: So that's where the Valley Conjurers, as we 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 muggles call it, meets at the magic shop. This is incredible. <laughs> it's so cool. When I when our first guests were on talking about the queer comedy festival they're putting on, when I mentioned that they were Valley Conjurers, their eyes both lit up, the idea that there's, I don't want to call it a coven, but kind of. Uh, oh,
3: no, definitely not a coven. I go to church on Sunday. I sing on the worship team. Okay. And it, there's I, I, no weirdness happening there. There's no black magic <laughs> no. or whatever
0: you want to call it. No. Th- no, uh,
3: I love Jesus. No, we can <laughs> we can definitely, we can explain what we do, but we're not going to. Uh-huh.
0: And that's the differentiation. I mean, like, yeah. there are people who want to believe in magic. We're and not more. putting
3: spells on people. We're not, like, nothing weird.
0: Because there have been spiritualist-type yeah. communities even here in the valley. I think of Lake Pleasant had a huge you know about the same time frame of these people that were looking more to the supernatural yeah for for the valley conjurers despite the the name don't worry it's not (laughs) there's not not that
6: spiritual element to it not at all not at all we Uh do get pizza though
3: we get a lot of pizza you know it's very uh, it's just great because there's so many people from different levels and there's So many, like you were saying, you have a dictionary editor, right? Magic is like that. There's just always something new. You can't know it all. There's always something you haven't seen. So it's exciting because we're always learning new things and we get to see what other people pick up and take away.
0: How do you know nobody's doing the same trick as you, especially if you're like at a big show, like the one coming up?
3: Oh, I don't. I just hope they're not. And if they are, then...
0: (laughs) Does it happen frequently? Is it like showing up to a a wedding wearing the same dress as somebody? Or It might
3: be. I don't know.
6: It almost happened, actually. Yeah, I was working on
3: something that I was really excited about. And the reason I was working on it is because I've never seen anybody perform it live. I've Uh, seen it on videos, uh but I've never seen anyone do it live. So I figured, let me just learn this and I'll put this on the stage and it's going to be great. And then I mentioned it at our last meeting casually, and they're like, "Oh, this other guy is going to be doing that, so you can't." And I was like, "Oh no!
0: Well, let
3: me come up with something different then and change my act, and hopefully, no one's doing it."
0: How do you come up with your own magic tricks? Like, are you developing them yourself, or are are they all learned from other folks? And if so, who's the one that is creating all these tricks for everybody?
3: So I haven't developed my own. Like, I've developed a few tricks, but. A lot of it is like, I guess, sort of like dancing where you learn moves and you didn't create that step. But when you put it in your own order, in uh-huh. your own way, it's new because you made it your personality style to fit your personality. And it's not something that you just took from someone else and did the exact same thing. But did I invent the moves? No, I did not.
0: Love that. That's a good explanation yeah. of it. There's
6: very, magically speaking, there's very little new under the sun, um, And some of the newest, there are people who actually produce and sell tricks. Um, Some of the newest stuff is actually people have gone back to look at the Mm, old masters and come up with um, interesting things to do uh, based on those concepts.
0: Do you have a favorite magician, each of you, that you look up to right now? Mark Bale from Valley Conjurers?
6: Yeah. (laughs) um, uh, Darren Brown, he's British, and he's probably considered the he might be considered the best, not magician, but mentalist, focusing on mental magic, although he's very competent at, at sleight of hand and illusions. And he's also a hypnotist. Um I found him on YouTube when oh. I was um when I was looking for skeptic stuff. And uh Are you still a skeptic? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> a, I love that. I'm a little skeptical of uh, the skeptic <laughs> movement, but uh yeah. The um but he's just he's just an amazing performer. Um, and I think that's a great thing about magic. Uh, we spend so much of our lives today mediated by screens. You know, I interact with my friends mostly on a screen. Mm-hmm. And even though I've never seen Darren Brown live, um, he really comes through live. And what we're offering at our show is live entertainment, um, live performing arts, which is something I think we need more of.
0: Well, we're, do you have – before we take a quick break, Deanna, is there somebody that you want to recommend that we uh, look up that's an inspiration to you?
6: So
3: I always tell people that my favorite magicians are the people that invested in teaching me. Ah. So it's not – I'm not going to tell you some major name that you've ever heard, but one of my personal favorites is a gentleman named Magic Ballet. It's B-A-L-A-Y. He just opened a magic shop of his own in New York City, and he's amazing. He's on social media. He's a brilliant sleight of hand artist he's a goofball he's funny he's approachable and I've seen that man probably do a thousand different tricks and he's just so fun to watch.
0: You're gonna do a trick for us on the radio coming up in just a little bit I Deanna? sure am. Alright this is great coming up more with <laughs> Mark Bale and Deanna DC Magic Girl Congo about the magic event happening in Ludlow this Saturday you're listening to the fabulous 413 on NEPM.
1: If the music is-
0: Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte, and I'm joined in the studio with Valley Conjurer, Mark Bale, as well as Deanna D.C. Magic Girl Congo. They are part of a magic event happening in Ludlow, Magic in the Valley, this Saturday. And Deanna, you're going to do a magic trick for me live on the radio right now.
3: Yes, sir, I am. So, Monty, as a magician, sometimes when I'm packing my bag, there's a chance I might forget things. So I have this card catalog. This is actually an emergency card catalog. You can see it's got some options. It doesn't have a ton of options. But, hey, when you forget what you brought, that's your problem, right? Right. And it looks like the bicycle
0: uh, deck of cards cover, but with each a spade and different colors.
3: So we've got black, green, and then we have our normal options, red and today, we're gonna use blue. What? How about that? Okay. We're gonna use some blue cards. She so just
0: pulled a deck of cards out of nowhere.
3: Yes, we're gonna do this trick with blue cards today. Okay. So.
0: Looks like an ordinary deck of bicycle it, uh, cards. It is,
3: yeah, it's an ordinary deck. So, you know, normally card tricks start with pick a card because we wanna make sure that you have something to watch. So, where should we stop?
0: Do I tell you? Mm-hmm. Stop! Excellent.
3: So I do not want to see the card, but I want to make sure that y'all see the card. So this is the card. Can everybody see it?
0: The card is the three of hearts.
3: Everybody can see it? Yes. Okay, great. So um, I'm actually going to have you hold this card. Just hold it like a sandwich between both hands, okay? Okay. So go ahead and take your card, and that way... Can I look at it? Just hang on to your card right now. Okay, just hang on to it. I'm just going to hang on. Okay, you already showed everybody what it was. Yes. So as long as everybody knows what it was, we should be good. I'm gonna see if we can make your card appear. Can you think of your card?
0: Yes. Deanna is holding up a crystal right now.
3: This is a a thought transmitter. Think of it. I'm thinking of it. Transmit it to me?
0: I'm transmitting it to you. And somehow miraculously, inside the little crystal that she's holding in her hand that is about an inch square is the Three of Hearts, which.
3: Was that your card? Is the card. Well, hold on. Let me see if I can just erase it. Okay.
0: Now she Etch-A-Sketch style erased this cube, and there's now nothing in there at all.
3: I also erased the card in your hand. You no longer have your three of hearts.
0: It is now the ace of hearts, and it says come to our show on Saturday. (laughs) We didn't do this for the radio. This is all real, but also, you know. Real Within Limits.
3: We hope you can come to the show because the reason we're doing this show live and inviting the public is so that we can see the look of awe and inspiration on people's faces and we're hoping to inspire. (laughs) Even our
0: engineers in the other room, (laughs) Betsy and Phil, were jumping up and down when we were describing it. It, Fantastic trick. Deanna, DC, Magic Girl Congo, who's going to be one of the performers this weekend. Thank you so much. As well as Mark Bale from the Valley Conjurers, the secretary. Uh, Mark is also... A coach of As Schools Match Wits, one of our favorite NEPM products for the uh, East Longmeadow team. Uh, Go to the show this Saturday, if you'd like to. uh, Magic in the Valley, uh, August 19th in Ludlow at the Polish-American Citizens Club. Tomorrow, bring us bread and bring us roses. We've heard about how food farms have fared during the floods. Thursday on the Fabulous 413, we'll hear how a flower farm in Hadley is doing and... Hip-hop celebrates its 50th birthday this month. We'll hear about a Springfield restaurant that's celebrating with a five-course hip-hop-themed wine dinner. I do want to give a shout-out to a caller who called during the show to remind us about queer comedy and to not forget about uh, Lily Tomlin, who we might not have known was queer all along, but was queer all along and is still an inspiration to so many folks. Our director is Tony. My house has become death. Done. Our engineer is Betsy. Baby and Banana Chronicles, Lankdo. And a huge shout-out to Phil, who's helping Betsy as well. Our technical team is Bart, is become Vacation Rankin, Kara, new codes for you, Foster, and punk, Rude Boy, Dubai. See you tomorrow.